0: Holding Up is sponsored by the North Coast Co-op and Humboldt Hydroponics. You know uh, the North Coast Co-op; it's no no mystery that it's the favorite grocery store of Humboldt. Holding Up, we go there for lunch all the time. Andrew, I know you love the solids, also and- the poke
1: bowls. But I shouldn't say <laughs> I shouldn't say that out loud because then there'll be a rush on the poke bowl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, whatever it is that you love, they've got it there at the North Coast Co-op. Go check them out at both Arcata and Eureka.
1: And Humble Hydroponics, they are located at 1302 Union Street. That is uh, right next to the Broadway Cinema, unless in case you don't have a map in, in your brain. Uh, you can visit them there, and their knowledgeable staff will help you with all your growing needs. Humble Hydroponics, locally owned and operated for some time.
0: It's humble holding up the podcast that's like a party for your ears. If Ooh. your idea of a party is just two other people who an- are annoying and don't stop talking, I'm Stephanie McGarry.
1: I'm Andrew Goff. That does that does not sound like a party that what? I, I want to attend. And I think that we need to we need to start over. And well, <laughs> no, I guess.
0: Tape's running. Though. We
1: can't, we can't, we We're don't in. want to run out of tape. We're so yes.
0: today on our still recorded little, on tape.
1: <laughs> yeah. Today on our little podcast thing with Bob, we have uh Cleo Diorio. And uh Cleo is a local dancer and choreographer, a graduate of Delarte International, uh, who currently teaches there. And just recently it was announced that she would be taking over the lead creative position at Ferndale Rep, which is Woo! which is uh, Deal. It's a big yeah. deal in an area where, you know, there's only so many full time jobs for creative type people. And that's not all because this coming weekend, you have a chance to see Cleo perform in the flesh as the host of the Red Light Cabaret out in Blue Lake, out of Del Arte. Uh,
0: it's going to get a little, little saucy, a little, I've heard, little spicy. Yes, I've heard it's a spicy affair. So, you know, leave the kids at home for this one because. Actually the podcast probably won't get as spicy, but it might get a little spicy. (laughs) What do you say? Let's talk to Cleo. I'm so excited. You know that she was the director of a show that I was in recently. So I'm excited to put her in the hot seat.
1: It's gonna get
2: steaming. Yeah. All right, Cleo. Hi. What were you just doing? So I'm currently teaching the Delarte teen program. Oh, okay. It is nine to five. It is the full day of teaching we only have four students so we are really in it with them okay <laughs> okay you're,
1: you're you're in their face uh correcting every aspect of their being exactly okay, yeah. okay. All right.
0: well thank you for doing this after doing that all day yeah i feel like right off the top, I I must disclose that we know each other uh, because you were the director and choreographer of the Rocky Horror Show, which I played a minor role in a very small, no mm, name look at role. <laughs> there there may... look,
1: look, at, look at Steph fishing for compliments. <laughs> no <laughs>
2: name <laughs> role, she
0: says, yeah.
1: Columbia. Uh, there, may, yeah.
0: there may or may not have been some tap dancing involved. Mm, I don't know, it's yeah. all a blur, all it really
1: grueling, now. but no uh, thing.
0: <laughs> but uh it's pretty fun now to it's like the tables have turned now you're in my in my show I get to be the one
2: (laughs) yes I'm very excited about it actually
0: (laughs) but you know we're gonna we're gonna be getting into the to the upcoming red light cabaret um which is you know the main thing we're having you on to talk about but since you know I really only know you from that particular show that was my first introduction to you but I know that you have done many things uh, around here locally. So I thought just for our listeners who might not be super familiar with you, that you could kind of give us a little bit of a rundown, maybe not the full (laughs) detailed resume, but you know, just some of the roles that you've held here and maybe some shows that you've been involved in that people uh, might
2: might know you from. Definitely. So um, as far as roles I've held in the community, I, as I said, I was originally brought to Humboldt to go to Del Arte International. I was a student uh, at Del Arte from 2016 to 2019. So um, at the school, I originated roles like Betty Boop, and I have a really crazy character named Winnie. Um, Those characters can still be seen around Humboldt in different shows and different things happening. Um, But I Throughout the process of my time here, have spent time working as the production manager at Delarte. I was also their school administrator. I've taught classes at Redwood Racks. A lot of people know me from there. Uh, I did adult hip hop for quite a few years. I also did a Sunday modern class for a short period of time and have taught other classes as guest teachers. Um, I often do some guest teaching for the fusion community and the Latin dance community. Mm -hmm. Um, I am currently working as faculty and staff at Del Arte. I teach theater and dance, more like dramatic movement, all styles of dance. And I also direct and choreograph their shows. So uh, most recently, as a part of the Del Arte company, I was in the Bartow project, which I performed and choreographed one of the short films within the series. And uh, now I'm taking on the Red Light Cabaret. This will be my second year directing it. Oh, okay, cool! Yeah, my second year directing it, but my first year directing it and hosting it at the. Same
0: <gasps> oh, time. okay. okay yeah. yeah, so that's yes. a, a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just go. a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let, let's talk about this thing because you know it's the next place that people can see you perform, which we mentioned the the red light cabaret at Dolarte this coming weekend when when this airs, um, and we'll you know we'll have you kind of explain exactly what that is. But let let's let's get into this thing this way. As you you've mentioned this character a couple times already, uh, Betty Boop, which is uh, which is uh, the role that you will uh, reprise in this. Who who is Betty Boop in in your world? Yeah.
2: So Betty Boop is the same old Betty Boop that everybody thinks about. Um, I, I, I want to say that I, you know, originated this role, but I didn't. Right. Everybody knows who she is. Betty Boop. Yeah. The 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 old jazz age
1: flapper. Yeah, uh, exactly. Jazz age,
2: sexy cartoon. That's who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have my own specific take on Betty. Um, She's a little bit smarter than people, you know, have played her in the past. Um, although she is very cutesy. Um, she is a feminist and uh, she doesn't take shit. You know, she's she's a strong lady. This role came to me by way of one of my good friends named Melanie. And Melanie approached me in our third year at Del Arte and just said, you know, I think you look like Betty Boop. Maybe you should do a cabaret act as her. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can I can go for this. Right. I can try this. So I bought a corset and I bought a little skirt and really what I was trying to go for was her silhouette. Right? Like mm-hmm. it's not a natural human silhouette. So how could I achieve this? Corset, it is. So I <laughs> all going, I got these huge, you know, high heels and then I'm in the studio looking like Betty Boop going, what do I even do? Right? Like what now that I look like her, I have yeah. to do something. Right. <laughs> So I, I learn one of the very classic Betty Boop songs. I play the ukulele. I also give ukulele lessons. And uh, I learn one of her songs. I'm accompanying myself on ukulele. I also learn a Charleston dance from that jazz age that you're mentioning. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this rehearsal, this dress rehearsal for this cabaret with both a song and a dance. And then I'm going to see what sticks. Right. I'm just going to ask, which one do you guys like better? Well, I do them both and they go, perfect. You, you have to do them both. <laughs> okay. like, Okay. So I ended up creating this act where I sing as Betty and then I do a dance. Um, and it, it just got the most insane audience response that I've ever received. Yeah. Like I'm on stage singing and, and people are like, cooing in the audience and people are <laughs> oh ah, and you can just hear them and i have never as a performer received that kind of buy-in really yeah but but it sounds it sounds
1: like so you've 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 kind of updated the the, the character for, for your own purposes right because like I'm I'm trying to remember like I don't have a lot of experience with like watching Betty Boop but like she's kind of like this demure kind of like you know sex symbol of the of the what 30s 40s and so you you say you've 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 made her you've made her more intelligent uh, and and more feminist and like so what was to talk a little bit about about that process and 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 how you've you've kind of tweaked this character uh, for a modern audience.
2: Yeah, so originally um, that came from hosting a different cabaret. I hosted a, a separate cabaret for Delarte as Betty Boop with one of my friends who has this crazy body, raucous character named Yasmin. And so I, in playing against Yasmin, I needed to balance her. And so the way that I did that was by heightening Betty a little bit. So I was still cute and I was still able to push against her crazy, but I had to be a little bit more intelligent to outsmart her Uh character. And so then once I brought that to the Betty character, I was like, she can never go back like she is smart. You know, In that show, I mean, it was silly, but um, like the show was themed, it's keep the fires burning. We haven't done it since COVID here at Delarte, but we used to do Fire's right. Burning" cabaret, um, and so our theme was springtime, and we were, you know, a lot about the seasons changing and and everybody, you know, getting warm again, people ready to come out again. And um, there was a, a really stupid bit, but it was really funny, where Yasmin was was like making some jokes about sexuality and how we're like the birds and the bees and the flowers. And then Betty just starts like actually explaining photosynthesis and the process of <laughs> how flowers, you know, grow and feed themselves. Um, and it 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 was so funny because she's still innocent. Yeah, like yeah. she misses the entire double entendre about sex, but she's very intelligent and understands the biology of plants and what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. This is what's the fun part to play against, uh, against this Yasmin character and also just to bring into Betty, you know, moving forward.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder, do you, do you feel that people respond so much to this character because of the nostalgia, because they know Betty Boop or, I mean, I'm sure it's sort of a combo of what you bring to it too, but do you think that's part of why people love Betty Boop so much because people just yeah. love
2: Betty Boop. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's that. I think that number one, they see her, they know who she is. And number two, it's also, it's also that Betty is funny and sexy. And you know, I really lay into both of those things. Yeah. One without the other in this yeah. character. Yeah.
0: Right?
2: So, you know, it's just as fun for the audience to see Betty shine intellectually and then turn around and immediately bend over so that you can see my butt cheeks. (laughs) Like that, that's what people love.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I I like it. It's a perfect kind of character to do that with because Betty Boop was this, you know, that cartoon continued like through the ages. She was such an iconic figure and they would kind of update her and sort of put her in to whatever scenarios were like of the times, you know? So it was like, you know, she was like a working. She was like a, a Rosie the Riveter type at at time. Like you know, she would work in different weird like jobs and yeah. This this comical, sexy. She was sort of like the cartoon version of like of like Lucy. I feel like you know, kind definitely. of definitely. <laughs> yeah, 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 and intelligent. Although I've never seen a cartoon where she you know explained <laughs> uh, photosynthesis or anything. But right. <laughs> that's
1: what Cleo brings to the table.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I love it, but that's the new, it's your version. So the red light cabaret focusing on the overall show, you know, without giving too, too much away, maybe can you tell us a little bit about what to expect, like, what is your pitch, you know, for this event to someone who's never been before? Definitely.
2: So the red light cabaret is a cabaret that Del Arte hosts every year. Um, originally it was directed by Michael Fields, who was the artistic producing director of Del Arte. And now it has been passed to me. So I am the the heir of the Red Light Cabaret, at least currently. Uh, I started last year during the age of COVID. We are still in the age of COVID, but last year was a wild time. Um, so we're happy to have it back. And if I was going to describe it, it is a late night, body adult, very sexy cabaret uh, really aimed to just get out the energy that we've all been cooped up and and it lines up with summer because you know here in Humboldt summer is really our only time to to get some sunshine and to get that energy out. Mm-hmm. I mean we've got a lot of cold weather throughout the year. So uh putting it in the summertime it usually runs with our Bodwat festival. And this year we're not having a true Bodwat festival. We're having a summer series. Uh, The summer series actually started this past weekend with the prize of hope. And um, the red light is going to kind of be the main event this year. Okay. Uh, It's right in the middle of our summer series. So, you know, lots of music, lots of dance. Yeah. We've got some really fun cocktails that'll be paired with some of the acts. You'll have characters running around the theaters, characters working as servers, um, a lot of interaction and a lot of. Really fun, really adult-themed entertainment. <laughs> so, so really so, adult. <laughs> yeah. but so yeah. kids, we should not yeah. bring your,
1: do not bring kids to the red light cabarets. Do not bring kids.
2: The shows okay. start at 10 p.m. So a lot of kids will be asleep by then anyway. Not all.
0: Yeah. My um God. <laughs> Sometimes she is not, but no, she can't. It's, yeah. an eight, it's an 18 and plus. It's an 18 and over show. So very, really, you can't bring your kids. But yes. do you think, is there anybody else who should maybe like not go to this show? If, if somebody is uh, slightly more conservative, are they going to be appalled and, and offended? One
2: hopes. Maybe they need to be appalled. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you I'm know, <laughs> there are there have been a lot of different kinds of people that have come to the red light over the years and every year has a little bit of a different vibe and a little bit of a different level of let's say raunchiness. Mm -hmm. Um, There have been previous years where we've had multiple acts with full frontal male nudity and then there are some years where there's less nudity and it's more about comedy there's some years where it's really dance heavy. And last year it was really music heavy, which was really fun. Mm -hmm. This year we've got a pretty good mix. We've got about 50% dance and 50% music. We've got some- 50% nudity. And there's there's some nudity, but it's definitely not one of the years where it's on the high end, we'll say.
0: Okay. Okay, Okay, yeah. About how many performers uh, take part in this?
2: Yeah, right now we've got 14 performers signed up. Um, So I'm working with them. I usually work with them um, to just kind of find the flow and make sure that they're all within the theme of the cabaret. Um, But the beautiful thing about cabaret is that the performers are the ones generating all of their acts and all of their material. So that's also why the cabaret has such a different vibe every year, right? It's all about what is generated and, and what stories people want to tell at this time.
1: Mm. So, so you mentioned how um, you know it's not it's not a full Badawat festival this year, but you're you know you're kind of slowly clung back um, in, in after after COVID. And, you know, like hopefully Blue Lake can can return to overachieving as far as uh, small town vibrancy is concerned. And, and as you mentioned, you 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 actually went to Del Arte, um, and for me, like Del Arte has always been this kind of like mysterious organization for me because like it doesn't seem like it should work. You know, you have this, you have, you have this very small, um, at one time, timber town that, that somehow has a clown school slapped down in the middle of it. Um, but every year, people hear about it. They come from all over the world to learn to be glorious weirdos. Um, I think I think I saw that you grew up in Ohio. Yeah? I did. Yes. Okay. How How, how is it that, that you chose this seemingly random place to come learn how to more interestingly move your body?
2: That- it's a great question. It's actually one of my very favorite stories. I, okay. I'm i from a small town in Ohio. I moved to Cleveland as soon as I turned 18. That's where I went to college. I went to Baldwin Wallace University, which if you know anything about it, is a Broadway factory. Okay, um,
1: I did not know that. <laughs> straight to
2: New York. And I chose not to do that. I was the only one who went west out of my class and out of honestly all of the classes. Yeah above and below me for my time in in college. Um, but it actually came because I was a part of the Kennedy Center Collegiate Theater Festival. This is a regional festival that the Kennedy Center holds every year. Um, schools are able to send students to this festival. So I attended the Kennedy Center Festival, I believe, three times out of my four years in college. My first year, my freshman year of college, I took a workshop with these physical theater people didn't know who it was, and just loved it. And I had a great time and then after the workshop was over the person who was teaching it approached me. And he was like, you're really good at this. So you should take my card and feel free to reach out if you have any questions. I was a freshman, I was like, sounds good. You know, whatever. So then. Flash forward to my senior year of college. I currently, I was studying, I have a degree in directing and choreography. So I was trying to figure out, I wanted to go to grad school. I was trying to figure out if I was gonna go for dance or if I was gonna go for theater. So when you look at grad programs in these areas, it's very clearly like you're getting a master's degree in directing or you're getting a master's degree in choreography and there's really no middle ground. But my time in college, I was working to blend these worlds. I was constantly Mm -hmm. saying, like, this is the same thing. Dance is just a style of theater dance is a mode of telling stories, right? There are so many ways to use your body and not have to be a ballerina, right? There's so many things that you can accomplish by melding these worlds. So I realized I had applied to all these schools. And then I just had this overwhelming realization that neither of these things are what I want to do. I don't want to be just a director. I don't want to be just a choreographer. I want to be both and I want to work in the way that I do, the way that I already do and the way that I know other people in the world also do. So how do I find those people? How do I connect with the the world that like that I'm in, but that I'm not a So I find the card and it's Joe Crinky Del Arte International. (laughs) Search it. I apply right there. I'm there's about, you know, five things that you have to submit. I submit them. I make my video audition. I send it in. I had applied for the master's degree at the school. They had a master's degree and a one-year program at the time
1: Applied
2: for the three-year program. I that was accepted. They sent me um, an email asking me to come to Del Arte for a callback. I came and auditioned again in person in front of the faculty, and they yeah. gave my acceptance right on the spot, right there. So no, that, I was like, "All right, I'm moving to
1: Blue Lake." <laughs> you you know, prior to that, you you had never been to to Humboldt before,
2: yeah? No. Okay, wow. coming from you know, Cleveland,
1: Cleveland is a big city, and I think you, I saw Lima, Lima. Did you grow up in Lima, Ohio? Yeah, Lima. Yeah. Oh, Lima. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> but like, but so, so this is a but this is a tiny place that you decided to uproot your life and and go be a weirdo in. Like, how? Uh, yeah. How did How did your parents feel about this? <laughs> well, my
2: parents. I mean, my parents are
1: weirdos. So. Oh, okay. So, don't like, great. Care.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's actually amazing and I hope my parents listen to this podcast, I'll send it to them because when I told them they were shocked and they told me that they had a plan to move to Humboldt County when they found out that they were pregnant with me and because they needed to be closer to their families for their first child. Wow. And why? Wow. Okay. And they never told me. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to grad school in Humboldt County. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. in Humboldt County, and I'm not moving back. And now all of a sudden, I'm taking over a theater in Humboldt County and really not moving back. You, 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 <laughs> so, are, you,
1: are, you are some sort of like fulfillment of, yeah, uh, of a life. Yeah, it's that like they, they you, dreamed of, but could never uh, uh, pursue themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was like and you knew live, somehow like deep in you. you that this is what was meant to have happened. You're like, I should have been in Humboldt.
2: Yeah. And what's so wild is they never told me that. Yeah. Wow. No idea, Do that, that have, was.
0: <laughs> Do you have any idea now why it was that they wanted to move to Humboldt?
2: Yeah. So my parents, I growing up, I always told everyone that my parents were professional hippies. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, of course, right. you know, Humboldt has a very yeah. hippie vibe. Um, mm-hmm. My dad is a pretty well-known tie-dye artist throughout the U.S. Um, okay. He has quite a few contacts here in Humboldt as well as in San Francisco. Um, I don't know if either of you know Ben Jamin, who used to own Jammin on the Hate. It's a giant tie-dye store in on the Hate. The, in
1: San this is your dad?
2: No, this is no. one of my no. dad's okay. friends who actually opened this like world-renowned tie-dye store with my dad. Okay.
0: Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I know of the, of the store. I don't know the person, but I know that store that you're talking about that was famous on the, on the hate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Ben and my dad are both tie dye artists and they knew each other from grateful dead lots. (laughs) Jammon bought a ton of my dad's stock after, you know, one of the tours and went to San Francisco and opened the store with my dad's work as well as his own. And then every now and then, then we'll still bring my dad out to do work for the shop.
1: So. Cleo, Cleo, for the for the love of God, drop your dad's name. We all want- Yes, to- oh. yes, Jesus, why, what are you <laughs> Of <hearing>? course, what <laughs> am I
2: doing? Yeah, his name's Alan DiOrio and okay. uh, you can find him on Instagram at okay. U-V-D-Y-E-S. Love okay. Okay.
0: Okay, person, so are you sure person. you're not from Humble? This is very confusing to me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I know you're. I am now a professional tie dye artist who met yeah. this guy on Grateful Dead lots to open this store. I mean, come on, this is very. No, do you think now that you're over here, do your parents uh, think that they'll ever make the journey and fulfill their their dream of
2: moving here? You know, I have no idea, but it, I think it probably depends on if I do stay here for the rest of ever yeah um, you know right now. So they, my they, they,
1: they have not come out yet.
2: They I mean they've been to visit many, many. Okay, oh, okay. Great.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Uh,
2: but they have not moved here. yeah
1: okay sure yeah. sure sure. Okay.
2: yeah my dad okay. actually is is um, both of my parents, my entire family are um, very earth conscious and my dad uses a lot of water to make tie dyes. Um, and so he doesn't necessarily think that California is the right place to be doing that. Oh, wow.
1: well, does does he know uh, that we're a little bit different than the rest of California, and water is actually yeah. abundant? I would argue in in our yes. neck of the woods. Cool.
2: Yes, he does. He does. Okay. Okay.
1: Come on out, Alan. I got I got a well. We'll, we'll make make some shirts you're together. listening
0: to this come on out here we're ready she said, we she, need said you. she was
1: going to send it to him so
0: yeah. oh yeah <laughs> so, so how was
1: so how was the the experience of going to del arte because like, i want i want like weird del arte stories of, yeah. of of like surreal moments where you're just like i can't believe that this is my education
2: oh, <laughs> definitely i mean so when we had the three-year program running it was you know we have basically we had two buildings The building that I'm in right now, which is called the Main, it's 131 H Street, Blue Lake, California. Mm -hmm. And then we also own the building that the Mad River Brewery is housed in. For many years, we had a giant studio in that building, and we would split between the studio here and the studio over there. Okay. So most of the classes in the first year happened over there, but there was still this. Huge amount of life that comes when you have three different years studying together, right? So, as a part of this, we had something called Nature Day. And Nature Day is one of the first things that happens when you join the program. We still do this even now, even though we don't have the three years running, we currently only have the one year program running and the summer intensive. Um, so we do this, it's nature day. We go out into Humboldt County. We start at 5 a.m. We go up mm-hmm. top of mountains to watch the sunrise. And then we move through you know, forests, we move through beaches, we create opportunities for students to see how fire works. We really want everyone to experience the elements as well as the beauty that they are surrounded by. So our founder at Dell'Arte, one of our two founders, Carlo Mazzoni-Clemente and his wife, Jane Hill, they founded Dell'Arte and they believed that the true inspiration for theater was the natural world. Hmm. It is still an undercurrent in everything we teach, but on the very first like week of class, you're there and you are just in the mud, you're in the grass, you're in the sand, you are, you know, covered in water and everyone, all the other classes are just acting like it's totally normal. <laughs> us, we've come from cities, yeah. right? they are not used to this, and they're just fully submerging us in this culture. They're like culture shock your butt. Here you go. Yeah. And and really when the moment that I was able to like stand back and say this is where I am now was when we were at the beach for sunset. You're hoping to see sunset, but we're in Humboldt County, so it's foggy. (laughs) And you're watching this. There are seals like yelling at you. And then you just look around and everyone's naked. (laughs) And you're like, oh, I'm supposed to take off everything and then everyone just starts running into the ocean full force naked bodies just running and you're like as a first-year student you're like okay i gotta get this off fast because like they're leaving without me and before you know it the entire school is just naked in the ocean together and it's beautiful to be in a place that understands how how important it is to have Community and to be weird and to yeah. accept our bodies the way they are. Mm-hmm. Right? We are artists of the body. That is the whole thing. And so you must be with your body and yeah. just with each other's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I assume, at the, at, you know, at this point in the semester, you're all very comfortable with each other. And like, you know, there's kind of a, a sort of consent to those like, okay, we're going to be naked in the water together. And that's, and and that's normal and, and accepted and and, and fine.
2: Well, you know, it's the first week of school, so no, nobody actually. Oh, no, first week. Of... Yeah, okay. yeah. I was just <laughs> yeah. thinking, like, I
1: well, no. All right. No. You don't... <laughs> this is how you're you
2: getting comfortable with each other. Yeah. It's just. Exactly.
0: Um,
1: how many you people... don't seem that scarred by it, but uh, so I, I assume it was a, a positive experience. And...
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, what's beautiful about it is that it really gets people out of their shells. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are always like one or two people that hang back and they don't take their clothes off and they're just cheering from the beach, you know, right. like, woo, yeah. But it is about, like, acceptance, and it's about supporting each other and, and really jumping into the culture of this place. There are people, you know, that, that took their clothes off and ran into the water with us that never, never were comfortable with their bodies. Not a single time, right? And, and throughout learning these people, learning your ensemble, learning your class, you realize how important that moment was for them. That even though they may have body issues, they may be self-conscious, they may, you know, have other things going on, they were able to to let that go for that day and to be a part of this moment that, you know, may sound weird to other people, but was formative for me as an artist.
1: Just another reminder that Humble Holding Up is brought to you by the North Coast Co-op. And as somebody who uh, operates, works in Old Town Eureka, let me just say, when those lunchtime hunger pangs hit, I find myself drawn to the salad bar. It was really hard for me. You know, the the salad bar went away during COVID for obvious reasons for a little bit. I remember that was really hard on you. It was really hard on me, but it's back. I really... I, I. I like a I like a fat salad.
0: Well, there's no place better to make yourself a fat salad than at the uh, North Coast Co-op. So let's let's go get a salad right now, Andrew. I can't wait right now.
1: So, Steph, there's a bunch of grow shops in Humble, right?
0: I think so. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, And one of those happens to be Humble Hydroponics, which is located at 1302 Union Street. Do you know where that is?
0: Uh, yeah, of course. That's right, over by uh, the Broadway Cinema.
1: That's correct. There yeah. Ah. yeah, there you go. And humble hydroponics is committed to helping their community through tough times by providing discounts, keeping prices down whenever possible.
0: Oh, do do they have soils, oh, nutrients, yeah. supplements? Yes. yes. Yeah, what about trellis, bamboo stakes, watering tools, peeing uh-huh. solutions?
1: Generally liquid. Look, they have lighting, LED and otherwise, trays, inserts, perlite, rock wool, fans, et cetera. Et cetera.
0: Wow, they have everything. And, and where is Humble Hydroponics located again?
1: 1302 Union Street. Give them a call at 707-443-4304. I, okay. Yeah, it sounds like you know you're 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 deep into the uh, the Del Arte theology, and I guess I, I I'm wondering like so in this last you know year, yeah, in the last year, um you know like kind of two pillars of the of the Del Arte world have you know are are, are no longer a part of that you know Joan uh, Shirley passed passed away and Michael Fields left and now owns the Lager Bar. I mean he's still around. Doing stuff, but like, how do you feel like that organization is coping with that kind of turnover where like two of these like spiritual leaders are now no longer with the company? How do you, how does, how does Delarte continue to, to find its way?
2: Yeah. I mean, Delarte is, as you said, in a giant transition, but we all feel that it's for the better. You know, Delarte, because it is you know as you've kind of said like a really special and niche place right we yeah. have this like theology of del arte it's so easy to get stuck in the past mm-hmm. right? like all of our all of our founders all of our our founding thoughts you know the things that we were founded on are from the 70s right? so yeah. how do these things grow and change and stay relevant well mm-hmm to do that with younger artists coming in. There have to be the next generation. Right. Yeah. You know, the loss of Joan impacted the entire organization and still impacts the entire organization. There's not a day that goes by that we're like, wow, we wish we could ask Joan. But we know that Joan is with us and that we are the ones carrying her legacy. We are the ones that are able to continue teaching what she taught. We are the ones that keep we have something at Delarte called showers. We keep the showers alive, right? Because Joan was the one teaching them until now. Michael yeah. is still absolutely a part of the community. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right across the street. I mean he right was right here this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he can yell at us from the logger bar and trust me. <laughs> He does, um, I'm sure. Yes,
1: got a big voice. what?
0: What are these? Sho- can you expl- tell me about the showers? What are the? Showers? Yeah,
1: yeah. What are the? Sh- yeah, well, I don't yeah. know what that was.
2: So the showers are exercises that were invented by some of our Arte founding members. And Carlo had this saying that he passed down to everyone, including me, who never met him, um, which is, "You're never too clean to have a shower." Showers are exercises that get your mind and body moving and they also are designed to have you work your ensemble and work basically your ensemble dynamics in the room, so. We at Delarte we are you know focused in ensemble devising, which means you are working with a group of people at least one year, if not three years. And you really get to know those people. You really get to know their strengths, their weaknesses. You find how this group of people generates theater together. And showers are one of the ways that you can kind of get into that zone of creation, right? Mm-hmm. Never too good to stop. You're never too good to practice, especially with the people that you generate theater with every day. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I think you know someone, you think you can just you know throw something at them, but if you stop practicing, then that communication goes away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is one way that we are able to continue developing as artists and continue playing with each other and continue to really challenge you know, our minds and our bodies at the same time.
1: Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about you know, your, your um, artist process. I, I, I caught uh, the episode of, of Studio Space that you mm-hmm. did with, with Keith. Um, and in that interview, you, you were talking a little bit about a piece that you'd recently choreographed called, I think it was called "Imprints," is that mm-hmm. right? Which deals with with violence against women. Um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more, like about that piece and, and others like it. Just like how do you how do you approach taking a weighty subject like that and then you know apply movement to it to attempt to diffuse it or or shine a light on it? Like I'm. I'm I'm wondering like if as a dancer you feel like you've developed a palette that you could apply to any number of issues, if you were called upon in, in that way.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I I truly feel that the best way to talk about a really difficult subject is to dance about it. <laughs> you know, it sounds funny, but We've been saying we women I use we the the giant we have yeah. been, been saying, you know, that we're uncomfortable, that we're we're hurt, that we are disrespected for years and no one listens. Right. I mean, there are individuals who listen always. Right. right. But as a society, especially with Roe v Wade being overturned, like it, it is extremely communicated to us that they are not listening right. So when this needs to be said, the way that you say it is with your body. And this piece uh, imprints was devised by myself and two other uh, dancer choreographers uh, named Tiffany van camp and Olivia Schlanger, some of my most favorite collaborators. Um, And it was actually the piece came to be because Tiffany wanted to create a dance theater piece about just womanhood. It was just womanhood. And so we started devising by writing journals. So we would all read a prompt and then we would just journal about it. And generally it would start with like womanhood means motherhood means right all of these different things and it we didn't intend to create a piece about violence against women and domestic violence or sexual mm. we did not
0: yeah.
2: but what kept being a reoccurring theme in all three of our journals was abuse and violence and the experience of being a woman in the united states today
1: yeah
2: so when we read these journals, we had a hard conversation and a sad conversation that was like, okay, are you in a space where you can dance about this? Are you in a space where you can dance about this? Am I in a space where I can dance about this? And ultimately we decided yes, that it needed to be danced about.
1: So, so when you take a subject like that, and and you, just, you say like okay we're all going to kind of attack this with with our our skill set, like I think about like how a say a a, a musician would you know you want to evoke sadness so you 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 write a song in a minor key, like what so are are I don't I don't have a dance background like do you do you have is is there is there a way that you're like okay well clearly because of this this is an emotional subject we have to use this school of of thought of the dance?
2: No, not necessarily. Um, we are all modern dancers. Um, we all dance many different styles as well, but we're all heavily rooted in modern dance. Um, so that was our language to tell these stories. That was um, mm-hmm. a language that we three were able to, you know, work together um, in the same genre of dance. that was our entry point. Um, but really, something I think that makes this this special, and that I think might answer this question, is that we focused the process on the victim, there was no villain depicted in the show, it was only about the trauma that one goes through in these situations. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, no villain was depicted, no violence was depicted. It's about the experience of a woman and we as women experience that every day. So the only thing that is different between us dancing and us dancing about this is allowing ourselves to open that door from the inside of us. And that's also the reason why we dance our parts ourselves. We don't hire other dancers to dance them because the show is about our own personal experiences and our own personal stories. And so dancing a piece, you're feeling my actual feelings, right? There's choreography on it, but what's actually communicating to you is my actual experience through yeah. that dance. Yeah.
1: Is it, is it, is it hard to perform?
2: It was, I don't think it's hard to perform anymore. We've, you know, we we've found a rhythm for ourselves that allows us to be together and to, to warm up and to get into a space where we're ready for this. And then after every show, we have a and A because both we and the audience need time to process it and to ask questions. And to just share our feelings. Right. So what we find is that that oftentimes that people come to see this piece and then they want to talk about it. And then they're inspired to go have conversations with their kids, with their teenage boys, with their right, with their families, with whoever it is, with their friends who are victims. Yeah. Right. And and oftentimes we've had people you know, thank us for creating space to have those conversations. Yeah. And that is the most fulfilling thing that you can do as a theater creator is, is have someone, you know, thank you for, not the performance, but for the space you create on a topic.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Like, you know, approaching using dance or some other type of performance art but i feel like especially with dance to approach these topics i think is gonna prompt people to open up in a, in a way that maybe just saying you know coming out and saying let's all talk about this like how you know giving a speech or or even just prompting a conversation would because it's like with andrew just said you're you're trying to evoke emotion with music you know so you use a certain key or whatever music and, and dance can hit us in a, in a way that just spoken words wouldn't. And so it really unlocks something for people. And instead of just you know giving them the prompt, if you are uh, evoking a, a feeling in them, that opens them up. So it's like you watch a, a performance like, like that and you're seeing you know, what the, the person dancing is feeling. You're not even thinking of so much about like, oh, look at that perfect move they did or whatever. It's just about those moments where you you see the emotion and then you feel it and then it unlocks those emotions in you. And then you feel so open and raw and vulnerable and you're like, ah, I have to go talk to somebody about this. And I think that that's why it can be such a, a, a powerful tool in that way and, and can help us to approach topics like that.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, it it brings something up for me that we, when we were first devising the piece, um, well, and just to say that we live in three different cities. Mm -hmm. So I choreographed my entire part of the piece in Humboldt County, and one of the dancers lives in Sacramento, and one of the dancers lived in in the Bay Area, San Francisco. So we did the entire thing virtually before virtual was in fashion. And then went to Sacramento and did a week of like putting it together and really feeling out the piece. And so now when we perform it, we basically do that every time. We just get somewhere for a week, put it back together and do our run. And then we go our separate ways. And the next time we have to do it, we get together for a week, we put it back together and we do it again. So when we originally devised the piece, we were using Placerville High School as our rehearsal. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> and so in exchange for that rehearsal space, we performed for the high school. And one of the high schoolers, and this is this is specifically speaking to a moment of dance that is not about the choreography, but is about the emotion. My, um, my dance, my friend and, and colleague dancer, Olivia has this beautiful solo in the piece where she is in an elongated shape and she swings her arm around and slaps her own thigh and her leg shoots like from that momentum, her leg shoots back. And in that motion, it's the only time there's an act of violence, right, and it is on herself. And the, the most amazing feedback came from a high schooler about that moment, and she just raised her hand. And she said. The moment where the dancer slapped herself, I audibly gasped. And in my brain said, please don't hit her again, mm. like to know that the movement and the emotion together communicate that much story and that much pain. Yeah. Is truly indicative of of what we're doing, right? Of why we're doing it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah what? Yeah. So, I'm going to awkwardly pivot here, but. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> There's just um, no other way after yeah, yeah. <laughs> this talk I'm afraid. Well, but,
1: so you 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 kind of alluded to this uh, earlier on in, in this chat that you are are I, th- I think you're just starting right to take on this this new position. Yeah. It's kind of a, yeah. a, a a rather big role in the in the humbled arts world. Um you are going to be the new uh, artistic director or whatever the official title is uh for for Ferndale Repertory Theater. Um yeah. and and it, it occurs to me like I, I i don't know this i can't i can't go through a list of every um ferndale rep artistic director di- director in my mind but like as a as a as a mostly a, a movement um artist that seems like that's this is a unique uh choice because you know the ferndale rep you know a lot of like musical theater and 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 um dramatic productions um and but here you here you are coming in with a whole different discipline maybe behind you is that um, th- does that indicate s- some direction you might be wanting to take Ferndale rep in?
2: Well, um, I, I mean, I'm really excited to be stepping into this role for Ferndale and I want to both honor Ferndale for the organization that it is and for the service that it provides our community as well as grow it. So
1: there you go. <laughs> I, would
2: say, I wouldn't say that, no, I want to, you know, change the tone of the theater. Um, okay. I actually grew up doing musicals. So I was in my first play when I was five years old, and it was, I believe, a straight play. And then soon after I got into the world of musical, and you know, loved it. I mean, it was my entire childhood was musical theater. And I ultimately decided against it because I wanted to dance, but I still sing. I still love to sing and dance and act all at the same time. And I see what that provides for our community, right? Mm -hmm. The joy that comes from these, these people performing, you know, and I, and it's such a collaborative process, right? It, you've got the music director, you've got the band members, you've got the performers, you've got the people that dance. You've got the people that sing. You've got the people that only want to be in the chorus. You've got the people that want to audition for all of the leads, right? That all of these people can come together and do a musical and make it magical, right? There's no way that I'm ever going to take that away from (laughs) you. No way. Um, I do, you know, and Stephanie can speak to this as well. I have my own way of directing musicals that is a little bit movement based. Um, And so as as the artistic producing director of Ferndale, I will be um, directing at least one, usually only one show a season. but something that's really exciting is that they've never had I guess I I guess I don't know either I guess I can't say never Yeah, yeah, sure Um, but they haven't had a choreographer as the artistic director that I know and so something that I mentioned to the board was that yes I'm going to direct my one show a season but I'd also be really excited to just choreograph a show next to a guest director and that's Mm -hmm. something that can be a really fun way of you know showing the progress of the theater as well yeah i don't have to be the head honcho i'm i might be a artistic director but i'm working under this director as the choreographer right yeah. meeting with this director as the choreographer yeah. right and that's something that, that i was saying steph might be able to you know speak to a little bit that in rocky you know it's very collaborative the way that i direct it's very much about the character development and about how the person moves and what the person brings to the, to, brings to the theater, brings to the character, um, you know, and I would love to foster that going forward with, the, with all of the other directors as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. Even though it's maybe not what you think of as being, you know, what would usually be the background of say an artistic director. It's, I think it's the, the movement aspect. And you, you talked about this, how in your mind, you know, acting and, and movement are, are married. They are we were we think of them too much as maybe these separate schools and and really they are they are part of the same thing and I think it's it's exciting to have someone who who focuses on that a lot because one of the things I did appreciate about working with as a director is that I am a little more, you know, dance focused in in my background and I feel like you really like used that to help me act you know like I didn't that was the the part that I felt less comfortable with and and I feel like you really help people to like use their bodies to find their character and you know, uh, and obviously acting would be really boring if people were just standing there like making facial yeah. expressions <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and saying their lines. I mean, you do yeah. have to think about what you're doing with your body. And yeah. I think even though there are certain shows that we don't think of as being that way where it's all about like the movements, there there is always movement and and maybe it might be a little more toned down for certain types of shows, but like, and and like we were saying earlier, it's a great way to help people to open up and to emote, you know? So like you use the movement and then you can get those emotions, conjure up those emotions that you need to be able to, to, yeah. to act. So,
1: <laughs> so so we're 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 getting near like the the end of the, of the time that we have for these things but I thought it would be very very fun to end uh on this Steph just noted that it was uh good to work with you as a director I would like to know just like from the director's perspective how would you rank Steph as a performer as a like as far as like <laughs> no. uh you know what what did she what did she struggle that. with what like let's let's get to like no. <laughs>
0: No. you can't say anything but that. No. You're on my podcast. I'm just gonna edit it right out. No, no, it's oh, okay. No, you no. can be, you can be real with it. Yeah, I no.
1: don't want the brutal, brutal stuff assessment. No, <laughs> I,
2: I mean, if I was to look back on working with Stephanie, I would honestly say that it was a joy. I mean, Stephanie's funny and, and you know, brings her whole yeah. self to rehearsal appreciate that and you know what what I think Stephanie and I could both look back on together is like there were moments where Stephanie would come up to me and be like I don't know what I'm doing and I'd be like yes you do Aww.
1: and she'd be, like, she'd be like but
2: and I'd be like do your thing you know and she does and she did and it was so wonderful and fun to see as the show progressed how full the character of Columbia got Right when Stephanie finally, like, really, like, got comfortable with what was happening and understood the story, she was able to fill this character. And you know, a lot of my notes at the end were like, "Yes, I see you. Yes, this.
0: <laughs>
2: you know." So, you know, I guess I would just say that it it's been wonderful to see Stephanie come into her confidence in acting and in performing. Oh, thank you.
1: I I'd say like. Uh, I, I, I feel like I got to watch her be very concerned from the, like when she took on the role and like, not, not having the confidence in her, uh, in herself to be able to accomplish it. And then by the end of it, she was just like, Oh, I'm killing this. uh, (laughs) Exactly. And and she, and, and was so, so crushed when the final weekend got canceled because COVID mostly I think because I had told her that I would come on the closing weekend. And Andrew never, that, did, never got did to not see get the, the show. See.
0: My co-host wow. here is very sad.
2: I, it's do I, say, yeah. I do have to say, I do have mm-hmm. to say, it's not a confirmed thing. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: edit that part out.
1: Not going to happen, but go ahead.
2: Announcement. <laughs> this is not a confirmed announcement, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Ferndale is looking at bringing Rocky back for at least one weekend in October.
0: I I heard this rumor, I wasn't gonna bring it up myself, but I think it's a fabulous idea, I really hope. That it, that it happens and we'll yeah. definitely check in more about that yeah. in the future. Well, that's, uh, but... <laughs> that's a nice,
1: nice note to love getting All right, I love getting, our, I love
0: getting yeah. our little uh, exclusives <laughs> exclusives on Humboldt holding up. And yeah. just to bring it back, you know, of course, like Andrew said, we're pretty much on our, our time here, but we want to thank you so much for coming on and, and talking with us. And obviously everybody make sure to check out the Red Light Cabaret this weekend, July 8th, 9th, and 10th at Del Arte's Carlo Theater and tickets are available at delarte.com. Um, and I just wanted to bring it kind of full circle with some of the stuff we were talking about before and also emphasize the importance of these type of shows. Uh, not, not everything always has to be a deep look into uh, emotional uh, strife. You know, we can also have just like a really silly body time (laughs) yeah because it just when you're talking about that when we started talking a little bit about rocky at at the end here and doing rocky horror i just you know the best part of it was the response from the audience and when when it, it means something to people and even like the silliest stuff really gives people emotions like it makes people happy and and so happy that they're crying especially when we're coming out of COVID and getting back to to being able to experience some of these things that we really missed and you know I think it can be it can be quite a release as well so
2: definitely I think it's a great show and you know we're really happy to have it back in the carlo. I was going to mention earlier that last year it was in our circus tent outside You know, which was a great experience, but yeah. Isn't sure. the same. And yeah. you know so to be back in the theater means a lot to all of us performing. and I think it will also mean a lot to our audiences. So yeah. definitely these shows have a place, you know, in our lives and have a purpose in our lives. You know, come laugh, come have a drink, come be a part of the body experience that the red light is. All right, all
1: right. Cleo, thank thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thank you all. Okay,
0: well, that's it. Thank you again so much to Cleo D'Orio for talking to us about the Red Light Cabaret, about some of her <laughs> wild experiences at Del Arte. She had quite the stories to tell, very enjoyable.
1: I mean, they, should they should they just uh, like advertise that, like, you know, come to Del Arte, you'll get an
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's better for it to be a surprise. Although, of course, now it's not as much as, yeah. of a surprise, but- uh, Whoops yeah they gotta make sure that you're gonna be in it that you're gonna be like here for it you know, here for this weird humboldt experience so everybody go out uh once more we will give a push for checking out the red light cabaret at del arte theater this weekend it's gonna be fun
1: i'm gonna have a pred- uh, I'll make a little prediction steph too that you know we're talking about uh, exciting things happening in blue lake i i think that Next week, we're going to talk about even more exciting things happening in b LA. Ooh. <laughs> A little
0: wow. tease. A little tease. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, all you all, for listening. Bye. Once again, we want to remind our listeners that Humble Holding Up is generously sponsored by the North Coast Co-op. You know, as somebody who lives in Arcata and works in Old Town, I spend an awful lot of time going to the Co-op both for my grocery shopping and lunch eating needs. Yeah. What about you, Goff?
1: Well, I mentioned the salad, but the other thing <laughs> I get often is the, uh, I get the, the the sushi, you know, they got the, the sushi oh, yeah, stand yeah. there. And I, I go and I'll get the the the, the Poke Bowl. You are had the Poke Bowl?
0: Oh, yeah. I love the poke bowl. And I also love the, the popcorn tofu. That's a, that's a fan favorite. I'm told very popular in, in Humboldt County, they refer to it as hippie crack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's great. I think uh, you've, you've personalized the product and uh, everybody's going to rush down to the North coast co-op to get that hippie crack.
0: That's right. Check out the North coast co-op, a Humboldt's organic community owned grocery store since 1973. Mike, off. you're like kind of a a gardener or like a landscaper of sorts aren't you, <laughs> you have have some <laughs> okay well a lot of folks in Humboldt county are and uh for those people a great place to go check out is humble hydroponics yeah you know this yeah they're over mm-hmm. on 1302 union street in eureka
1: that's by broadway cinema
0: yes, that is that is right. and And these guys are very knowledgeable. They're staff they're familiar with Humboldt's climate, so they can help you with your your indoor and outdoor growing needs, whatever those may be. They got mm. lighting, soils, pH solutions, fans, trays, all that all that stuff. Well yeah. that's you know, you know this stuff. Handy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you got to check them out They're They're locally owned and operated.
1: Now, if I buy a big old uh, uh, bag of, of soil or, or, or whatnot, do I am I going to have to haul that myself? The- like, if I, like put it in my truck myself i mean is, is what i'm getting at
0: there if, if, if you feel like you want to do that to help get some muscles then you can yeah. but no you don't have to do that that's the one of the other great things about humble yeah. hydroponics is the staff will will help you load up your truck they'll even help with a curbside pickup you know if you need if you want to do that okay. just give okay. them a call give them a call to to figure out how they can help you It's 707-443-4304. Humboldt Hydroponics, helping you with all your growing needs.